She was. I saw multicolored tabs in a folder, and that says work to me. So that's organizing work. My life. Oh, which is work. Ryan, you had a rebuttal for episode one. Yeah, so this is... Okay, so I heard several charges on episode one regarding my creative process, right? Mm-hmm. So uh, the first was was that I was either ill, under, or lack of prepared for the shoot of this film. Which, once again, is the, the only evidence to this is that I did not have a, quote, script together. Um, which is true. But in no way implies that I was underprepared to shoot this the shoot film four. <laughs> so, um, and then also I I think connected to that critique, and I'll go ahead and lay them out here as well, right? Like the other critique was that like um, people did not understand, in a sense, they didn't know the assignment, right? When we were going to make the movie, right? Which granted, like. Um, is accurate, right? Like, not no uh, one person other than me had the totality of the project uh, uh, as, as in, a, in a detailed fashion as I did, which is also correct, right? But um, I'm the goddamn director. I am the man making this thing. I know where we need to go, and um, and yeah, no, I was I was I I felt fully prepared, and I felt I got everything I needed out of everything that we shot. Um, and despite the fact that the editing process was maybe a little bit tortured and lengthy, um, we also didn't end up with just a shitload of stuff that was unused, right? We had a lot of takes that we uh, obviously needed, uh, but every major thing that we did uh, played a formative part in the uh, in the movie uh, besides Matt, Matt's extended freakout sequence, right? Like, other than that, I had everything together. Um, and let's just, be, let's just be frank here, right? Like, as the actors or crew... You don't need to know the whole picture to know what to do, right? You just need yeah. to do what I fucking tell you to do. Correct. And, you know, for the actors, like, you don't need to know the whole the whole story. In fact, you don't need to know the reason why. Uh, your character needs to know what needs to happen. And that's all that matters as well. So, uh, yes, I compartmentalized, uh, but I had it all up here. Uh, and, uh, yeah, I, I'm just I, it's slanderous, just libelous things being, being said and, I assume, written. Um, and uh, I, I have defended myself now. Like that's all I'm gonna say. Do, do you do you believe in the director actor synthesis model, where the actor can discover things the director is unaware of within the text? Oh, absolutely. I, I I do, but not for my films. Okay. Right. Like that's the key. I think that's the key. Is um, no. I, so I was. So I think we're we're if we're gonna talk about like I, I was presently pl- pleasantly surprised by several things. Um, you know, uh, I think Anna obviously being the best actor that we have in the troupe right now, right? Like there was a lot and we had to like play, you know, and move and move forward. And I, I can understand the frustration of like being like told like, hey, like improvise this scene given broad parameters, right? That's but, fun for me. Yeah. I, I, thank you. All right. Good. Yes. And um, but also, right, like we were, um, you know, and I will admit that like I didn't I don't necessarily n- n- know the, the points of each scene. And I think this is something that like we lack as we like think about a film project, right? Like constructing dialogue is one thing, but like having a picture of the emotive 
the 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 emotive aspect of acting that you want out of your actors is something that like I don't know a lot of I don't know many directors that have all of that in their head and are able to like communicate it out. Like we yeah. would either need to like rehearse, uh, which we might as well film our rehearsals because good things can happen and you don't want to lose them and we're not paying for film. So like, you know, data's free. Mm-hmm. And I then, mean, that, that's why I pre, that, that's why I shot all of the pre stuff for film three. Yeah. In both locations we did it. Yes. Because if someone accidentally did the thing I was trying to get done, yeah. I, didn't wanna, I wanted to be able to go, okay, just do this again. Right. It, except with clothes on this time. And um, then oh. like, and then also, right, like I don't have the, the ability to imagine and like pre figure or pre think, um, you know, what I would want a dialogue scene that I could write to be acted out in, because also I don't know like the dynamic acting range of the people that would be asking to perform this thing. Right. Like yeah. I could have, if I get wedded to an idea of something has to look this way, um, and it doesn't, um, Right. Like that, you know, that, you know, that, that specificity and the narrowing of artistic choices that come as a result of that seems very limiting to me when, when, you know, I want, I I know the broad strokes that I want from the performance. And I know the the key beats that need to happen within the, within a, a scene and within the progress of the whole project. So that we, you know, shot things out of order and we were able to like, all right, this is, I knew the emotional state I wanted my actors to be in, in each scene that we would shoot. Because I knew the broad emotional context of each one that would, you know, from beat to beat to beat narratively, and which well, there wasn't much narrative, so that was easy. Mm-hmm. Um, so, um, but that's like, that's what's tough about it, right? Like, and, you know, I think we're going to w- run into a, a thing with Nicole's film, which is like, we're entering in this like factor of like, you know, we have like what one character in that one and then or actually multiple characters, but like two of them are animals. Yeah, one of them's a dog. Yeah, one of them's a dog. So like <laughs> like an almost notoriously misbehaving dog. Yes, absolutely. So like the idea that we're gonna like It's like, literally what the movie's about. That's yeah, exciting. purely a misbehaving dog. Yeah. Well, but also like the dog's character has more of an emphasis on like the like the dog's character drives the emotional arc of the whole thing. And that's gonna be like really tough. So Amazing. You know, like Therefore, if you can't control for performance in your artistic vision, you I just locked into what I knew I, I could get out um, of, of the other artistic aspects of it. Look, feel, pacing, timing, um, uh, you know, lighting. Like I, I just focused all of my imaginative energies on that front and trusted that that would that if I unified that in my mind, that that would be enough to come to circumvent or to find when we would we were experimenting um what i wanted the the whole thing to encompass and that's why i didn't i did yes there was shit i didn't know because that was the least (laughs) important stuff to me in telling and performing and getting the thing as a whole together so it is a valid critique it just doesn't stand on its own two feet because um what was like what was lacking was the least important stuff and we, I knew we could get it. I knew we could get there if we were, if we just gave ourselves some time and ability to do it. And like I said, the fact that it, a take didn't cost us $70 every time we did it and didn't get what we wanted, like, fuck it. Like, then we'll just keep make, taking takes. Yep. So. Yeah. Although amortized, they probably still cost more than $70 a take. But that's my fault for buying the camera. <clears> so. <throat> we just got to keep using them, right? Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah, we just, yeah, no, we just yeah. have yeah. to take more takes. Yeah, no. And this, we can this, solve that problem. This project will come under budget the more we film. So. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly. Yeah. No, this movie was super fun for me because having to 
recreate dialogue mm-hmm. uh, and emote what the words are saying to me is much harder than just trying something and then someone gives me direction and then I do something different. Mm-hmm. Like it's much easier having done both improv and not improv. Mm-hmm. Uh, this was just, I can't think of another word other than fun, but I, I think something like this ends up being really good when you get people who are willing to do quote unquote anything mm-hmm. like you give me a vibe yeah, and then I'll try it. And then you tell me to do something a little different and then I'll do it. Like if you're having someone who's willing to be open to just listening to direction, it ends up to me being way more fun than if it was scripted. Mm-hmm. Well, it's, it's substantially amplified by not having words. Um, cause as I have discovered in the course, I guess I didn't, I, I knew, I knew this was a problem because dialogue in movies is generally bad and there's mm-hmm. gotta be a reason for that. And that it's hard to write. Um, uh, when when you don't have to say an exact set of words, if you're just trying to evoke an emotion, and it, I know you were talking during the silent portion, you were saying actual words. Yeah. You, weren't, you weren't just uh, rutabaga mm-hmm. your way through it. Um, but because that was not specifically important, because that delivery was not important, it emph- it emphasizes everything else about the carriage of the scene. Uh, which which sort of I assume is what a lot of people uh, back in the 20s when <laughs> when they were deciding, which sounds ludicrous to say now, uh, were deciding whether or not talkies were going to be a thing. Right. Whether yeah. that was going to be like the 3D of that era, mm-hmm. where it's just like a th- it's like a fascinating thing that you can throw into a movie as a special effect. Right. Um, they didn't. I, I I don't know the history that well about about that conversation. How long it took to adopt. Um, but my understanding is that the technology for it was substantially mature before it actually became a mainstay. Yeah. And that had to have been for a reason. Well, I think the other weird thing too, is that like, right. Like none of us other than maybe Anna has like memorized lines for a production. And one of the things that I was concerned about is that like, if, if, unless, and because we're amateurs and therefore devoting amateur amounts of time to this, like you know, memorizing, right? Like, I think there's two things that I've learned, like that, like in my studies of film, right? Like is one, you, you have to know your lines so well that you deliver them without thinking the way that we deliver, the way that we having conversation, we all speak extemporaneously in all of our lives. Right. Yeah. So we're not thinking about the, what word leads to word uh, 20 words later. We don't, we don't communicate like that. So in order to come around that, you have to like memorize the lines that you have. Now, how long would that take for you versus Matt, right? Like it might take Mac 20, 30 hours to be totally natural in the sense that he could deliver them without thinking. It might take you five, all right? And it's wrong for me to impose on Matt and therefore hinge a fucking core dramatic component of the film on something that I've never seen anyone perform for. The other thing that I think is challenging too is that like emoting, right, is something we we that happens with us and i think there's two different ways to approach an actor or direct someone which is like look i want you to behave a certain way right i want you to give a feel and and i want very specific like blocking i.e like movement within the scene or you know i want a specific way for you to like look when uh when you're um when you're acting and do i want to control that no so what i my thought was was like no we'll just 
lay out the idea of the scene, right? Set a set a, 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 a one actor, right? Like get a one act, right? You start here, you hit this beat, and then you resolve where we're at. And for Matt, it was like, all right, you're here, you're confident in what in, in your capabilities, you're unsure of what's going on, um, and then finally you begrudgingly accept. So like, okay, right? Like I know I got to hit these three beats in a conversation, and we'll improvise our way through that. And what was really cool about it was that both yourself and Matt, just by laying out that scene, knowing that you just had to emote without specifics and then get yourself through there, like we got these like amazing like facial uh, facial expressions from you especially and yeah. your whole body and the way that your body would move through the scene. So then we could like improvise and um, you and Matt could like express something physically, right? Like in the way I'm like, all right, so, you know, like this frustrates you going through that and then you know, we could get like a, a reaction and an emotion and I could say like, all right, what you did there was really great. Yeah. Like build that into the next one. Right. And then we were able, you know, with that way I wasn't having to like, look, I want you to like, Matt, I want you to rub your, your forehead in frustration. No, I want Matt thinking about being frustrated and then just doing whatever he felt would that character would do based on whatever direction he's been provided. Right. It's way more natural that way. Absolutely. And that's, yeah. and being, being able to be natural makes it more fun to do yep. like you just get to have a conversation with a person and just hit some tones mm -hmm. do like you were saying like you like sit a certain way mm -hmm. um i've had to memorize a lot of lines for a lot of different things and what was nice about doing this in high school is uh my drama teacher didn't care if we played around with how we delivered lines based on how we felt comfortable mm -hmm. Um, but even then I felt so constricted to have to make sure I delivered X amount of lines because there were certain people who would not get that it was their turn to speak if they didn't hear a certain word. So I would be very loosey goosey and play around with how I thought my character would deliver something, mm -hmm. but I couldn't do that because this other person is waiting for me to say a word because they're not listening. And so I think yes. that's what's fun about what's nice about being in that kind of situation with like Matt and you're just having conversation is you're not waiting for a word. You're listening. Like you're so, actively listening. All right. Non-crisis averted. Non <laughs> yeah. So do we just need to film a, <clears throat> a game of fiasco? Is that, uh, is, <gasps> is that actually the gateway drug Please. to having dialogue in a movie? What I love about Fiasco is it gives you enough to figure out the like kind of dialogue you would have. That was that was really really great to well, play. Because what Fiasco's just character motivations, right? Like you yeah. have you know this this deficiency that, and then you go from there, right? Yeah, you have relationships between each of the characters. Okay, yeah needs items places and then you act it out cool um yeah. and you you can't sort of dictate what's going on because you set up the scene each person goes around the table setting up a scene mm -hmm. uh with them or other characters you can um you can dictate more than that generally the point of the game is to be somewhat spontaneous it is sort of an improv game but you could very easily sort of sculpt yeah and signpost where things are supposed to go um, and it maintains the naturality that we're talking about here without having to 
write lines that you actually have to memorize. You just yeah. have to know where it's going. Well, and, and, you know, obviously being like, you know, amateurs at this as well, or just, just an experience, right? Like I don't, I'm not an amateur, right? But, but as experienced <laughs> as we are with this is that like, you know, you, I think what I've learned as I've gotten older about these things is that like, you know, you like, just cause you are inexperienced, you just, you know, you can still aim and try for something that you want um, that you want out of something like you can be ambitious in your wants. You just have to be more measured in what can get you there. Right. And so that's what I was trying to like communicate was that like, you know, because in the end it's hard, it, especially with acting, right? Like it's hard to like spiral out. Like the other thing that, um, you know, I think that like, so when I like watch films and I watch performances and I think about actors that I like, and then I listen to how they describe their process, right? Like I love Anthony Hopkins. I think Anthony Hopkins is one of the best actors I've ever seen on film. And one of the things that he does is that like, not even memorization, right? Like just total naturalization of the lines that he knows he needs to say. And then that allows him, you know, because I think he is, you know, obviously incredibly gifted at this to then like, you know, think through the physical performance of what he's trying to do, right? Yeah. Okay. And then the other thing is, is like Martin Landau, who I really like also, like one of the things that he's, I think, uh, what I've heard him say about acting is that like people don't express their emotions, right? A lot of times people restrict their emotions, Right. Yeah. So like, you know, if we're happy, right, like we'll normally like, you know, we'll emote happiness, but we'll do it within the context of where we're at. Like, we'll, you know, you'll, you'll, you'll push it back a little bit. Right. So then you've got to get an actor thinking of like, oh, okay. Like, you know, like this is how you feel, but you're also like restraining it a little bit because of whatever dynamic is happening in the scene. Right. So if I went to Anna, I said like, look, you're in a scene with this, Matt's going to agree to see your husband. I want you to be happy about this, but not in a way that you want to demonstrate to him. Like, and that, like, suddenly you're, like, four factors in. You're, like, yeah. four different competing things. You're, like, how, how the fuck do I be happy and then show that without being too obvious that I'm showing it? And, like, that, yeah. like, that just becomes a spiraling kind of effect. So, all right. So my then thing is, like, how do I sh simplify this, right? Like, how can I just give someone an idea and let them go through that idea uh, and work through that idea and uh, and trust that that we are around like smart creative people and like let them go through with this because the last thing then is that like while I understand that in in a film creative process like me not giving like taking everyone 99% of where everyone needed to be um, also is that like I'm not weirdly egotistical about this thing as well like I don't I want there to be collaboration in this. And I think we've talked about this in other podcasts or at least in our group setting, which is like I my, my favorite thing about making movies with you guys is that like we all sit around together. We shoot around ideas. It builds and, and becomes something that like I never thought it was at. But it's like it's like I mean, I make the decisions, but like I on a lot of our films have like had things like in it that like I didn't foresee happening and we yeah. do it and we do it anyway and it makes it better. Yeah, like it's, the, it's the, problem solving with constructive elements. Yeah. And I think like the first film we shot was that like I only wanted one one like like um of Matt like gripping the pants before he ripped <laughs> them off. And David was like, no, we're gonna shoot this shot. We're gonna do we're gonna also have it in front with his hands there and pull those up. And like the weirdness of having that like the hands ball up with the materials twice in succession before it happens was like just so perfect. Yeah. And it was like something that I had never thought of and like didn't implant, didn't think about or impose. And more importantly, when it happened, I was like, fuck it, let's shoot it and see what happens and let's do it. And like, yeah, like, and that is like, that's exciting and fun and really enjoyable. So, yep. but I get, I get that it also is a problem where it's like, Ryan doesn't know where we're going. And to be honest with you, I don't. 
and but only because like I don't want I want this to be collaborative and it's 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 more conflict oriented if I declare a position on something and then someone's like well we should do something different right yeah. like and that's like no that's not what I want I'd rather like you know f- have that nether space exist and like let's just fill that together where we're at and yeah. th- like and the more we can do that the better I think the end product is because yeah we exactly all, we all know and trust each other on top of it like, yeah and you get more out of people when they know that that they can because one of the biggest like fears I think that people have with improv is looking silly or like someone thinking that you made a choice and they're like oh wow that was really weird that she did that but what's great about doing it with people like you is I'll try anything because no one's going to think less of me or judge me. Mm-hmm. And that's why improv or not having lines or not having a direction is so scary because you don't want to – it's that fear of being judged. And mm-hmm. I think that that's what keeps a lot of people from enjoying things like fiasco or mm-hmm. enjoying improv. Uh, but when you're around people who make it safe – then that becomes extremely just fantastic to do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you, yeah, because you can always build off of it. Because the last thing you want is to get the spiral of like, all right, your character knows this, this character knows that, you don't want them to know that, they know you don't want them to know yeah. that, and you know that they don't want you to, and you're like, all right, now <laughs> we've, we've lost it, right? So yeah. And like, I'm just, yeah, I really like it. And for me, like being so visual, visually oriented and, and, and I, th- I think knowing, where and what I'm doing and why I'm doing it in the, as in terms of like beats, visuals, you know, I think pacing is something that I have to, to do a better thing of thinking through. Mm-hmm. But also like with the Coen brothers, you know, like they, you know, they they are incredibly meticulous, right? Like every scene is 95% of the way there. Like they show up, they know the, the, the shots, the shots they need. They know the, 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 the lighting they're going to have. They have the tone of it filled out, f- figured out. They move everything there, and then like there are, are of course five percent that's left over, and like that five percent can oftentimes have like these like really crucial, um, you know, kind of components in it, and they also of course have like the ability for people just to like let things go, and um, and that's what I think like my motivation is is like, you know, if this is something that you want to get out, like absolutely, and the process for us collaboratively is like thinking through and getting us the ninety five percent of the way there. But then when we are actually in the moment, like, you know, that 5%, the, the 5% is not indi- in, indicative that, like, it's unimportant. But, like, if you, if those remaining percentages can be, like, decisions that are, like, really impactful. Yeah. Like, that's the thing. Well, and made us outside. Yeah. Well, and the thing that the Coen something. brothers have, the thing the Coen brothers have figured out is how to, is how to pick the 5% yeah. that allows the people on screen to sparkle, mm-hmm. um, which is a learned skill that we don't have yet. So mm-hmm. it makes it, it's a, again, why it's why I think fiasco would be an interesting thing to try to use as a, um, as a more rigorous uh, methodology to try to produce something out of a session of it. Because the thing that are, that the, the sauce of the machination log group currently lacks is the vision side of it. Mm-hmm. Um, we don't we don't have anyone with a strong intent. Um, Ryan, you you mentioned the the scene with the pulling the pants off. There is a sarcastic uh, fake quote, a trolling quote <laughs> on uh, Twitter. I forget who posted it about how movies aren't about. It was just someone like pretending to be pretentious for something. I think like the, the Emmys were going on or something. And it's like movies aren't about telling a story; they're about capturing a moment. 
And that was said in jest, but that's literally all I like. And like, that's the thing mm-hmm. I can do in movies. Yeah. And you can't make a movie like that yeah. because it's, it is a bunch of moments strung together, but you have to string them together. Yes. And I can't do that. Yeah. And you, if, if you can do it, you prefer to do it other ways. Um, we'll see what Skinamahux looks like once right. it's storyboarded. Skin- but we don't. We haven't demonstrated that anybody knows how to build the connective tissue yet. Yeah. Like that's that's a skill set we just don't have. Yeah. And it's not that we can't develop it, but we have not developed it. Yeah. No, and I and I think that like like Lawrence of Arabia, right, is like a great example of like, you know, that movie has you know a dozen ish moments, and you know it has I think you know a very inventive way that it like each one kind of leads to the other, and um, you know, it's like the first real moment of that movie is him getting the assignment to, you know, to go to Arabia and it, they're in the basement of the cartography area and he does the match sequence there. Right. Like, yeah. like once again, everything kind of leading up and leading up and leading up and then, you know, like this, this, you know, goosebumpy like moment that then propels you into the build up to the next moment. That comes which from which that. you don't get if he's not drawing on the map, sitting there whining. Yeah. So like, and that's the thing, like we can't, we haven't figured out how to do that yet. Yeah. And since we're, uh, what, three actual films deep so far, so I think we can be forgiven for not having figured it out. It's just practice. Well, and, and you know, we've... So we had a conversation a couple of weeks ago, right, about, like, length. And this is something that, like, you know, is 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 the... Because short films... And I've watched a shitload of short films the last year since we've been doing this, this project in earnest, right? And honest to God, David, like, they're, like... They're they're liberating in the sense that they're not you know they're not they're not episodic, but also like the problem they run into is that like you it is really tough to build any sort of dramatic structure in less than twelve minutes. Yep. Like it is incredibly difficult to do that, and like you know we fall back on conventions with anything and what because an episode of TV is twenty two minutes, right? So you have to be very diligent. But then shows, of course rely on the fact that like you've seen other episodes right so you they, right. you you bring a lot of context to 22 minutes so we're no we're not doing that either so and what i've seen is that like short films regardless of length from 3 to 20 minutes or even beyond like they tend to only um you know just be variations or very specifically focused on some idea or some one one they do one thing they do other stuff to get you to that one thing but the whole you know the whole product is you know this one thing and of course like in order to build a moment we need like two things right like we need to build up to the moment and to explain why the moment's important and then we need the moment to happen and resolve into that um and then of course linking moments together builds that dramatic tension through film as well. So you just need time. And this is like, what's irritating is that like, we're suddenly like backing into ourselves where it's like, God damn it, we should just, you know, like, do we just do start, start making hour long plus things now where we just yeah. like, cause that's the, like for us to like satisfy, I think like the broader artistic considerations that they have personally, I'm fine making films with no conflict, like for, in perpetuity. Like, sure. yeah, that's fine. I'm, I'm cool with that. I like the idea of it. That was, that's what seance was, was just like, Let's want to vibe this thing through and like do it, but then it's like, you know, well, goddamn it! Like, can we? Could we get something done in twenty eight minutes or or twenty five minutes that would that would have an effect of being able to like explain a moment and then deliver it and then end? Like, I think I wanted to take on that challenge rather than do another one like we did. Well, that's that's why I, I'm being very deliberate. I, I keep saying I want to make something that's 
virtually abstract in mm-hmm. its in its formation aesthetically because I, like, I, I want to do something like that but first I want to take the Picasso route I want to mm-hmm. figure out how to make a movie before I start breaking all the rules because yeah. it feels cheap to just immediately embark on this mission to make the most uh, insane's the wrong word but it's the one that I'll use just for the sake of our audience like I want I want to make a movie that makes no immediate sense. Yeah. But I don't want to just shoot that movie. I want to know how to do it correctly so that I can do it incorrectly. Mm-hmm. Okay. And so I'm going to make a movie that has a very basic conflict with a miscommunication in it mm-hmm. and sort of incorporate all those details. And to your point, Ryan, that movie has to be at least 22 minutes. Yeah. I can't, because you can't get the, you can't get a twist to work any faster than that. Yeah. Unless it's like a sci-fi level Twilight Zone type thing. Mm-hmm. Um, although even those were even those were like a TV episode. It's not right. like those were just instantaneous. I don't know how long any individual one was. Which no. one? The, uh, Twilight in the Twilight Zone. Zone. How yeah. long are the... 22 to, 20, 20, yeah. 22 to 28 okay. minutes. Yeah. There was time. Yeah, they have time. But also, once again, like... You know the the, the classic two three act structure in place, right? Like, and you know though you've got to you've got to get the beats in. You got to set it up, resolve. You know, like you've the the classic kind of structure has to be in place. And so, you know, we can. I mean, like I said, we could we could, <laughs> it's doable. But then, like you know, the fact that you know you know you're watching a Twilight. You know, like the context is already provided to you. Like I, I yep. think. That's what True. is 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 the tough thing there. Like, you know, because every Twilight Zone episode begins the same way with the fucking <laughs> with the intro with the Twilight Zone with intro. Yeah. yeah, like you know, you know so I know, the audience is able to bring what they know to that, and that's why you know that's that's why we don't go to to um, to movies to watch a sequence of four to five 22 minute short films. Like nobody fucking does that. They don't. If it was profitable and people wanted to see it, we'd be fucking doing it. But we don't do it, right? Like, <laughs> instead, we 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 you know like that is almost exclusively televised for the very you know for the clear reasons of why it's valuable or profitable to do it that way, right? Like it just allows that to happen. So, you know, Ballad of Buster Scruggs, notwithstanding, that's basically the only example. But also, you know, it's fucking, you know, <laughs> uh, it's it's the the problem with that is that it's it's the Coens doing. You know, masters of the craft who also those projects were gestating for like years and years and years and years. Yeah. You know, yeah. And it's not like, so. And several of them They drag. cheated. They fucking cheated. Yeah. Like, yeah several of them would drag anyway. Yeah, exactly. There's a reason they didn't make movies out Yeah, no. <laughs> so I'm excited for this. Like, I like, I like, I think longer form projects is where we're at. I think like going through film four, like what we had four, we had five shooting days with that and got 18 minutes, got an 18 minute short film out of that. So, yeah, like, and the thing is, I don't, I, I'm okay with relaxing the production quality from film four. It'll probably be necessary for what I'm planning to do, because if I, if I were to do the full vision of what I'm imagining for the, uh, for the swamp crusade and the betrayal, (laughs) it would take, it would take an amount of prop work. I mean, it would, it would become a union job. It would require actual people with time on their hands to build the props. One of the props that I um, I needed to have in the original version of film three when you were doing the preacher scene, and I may still need a variant of it, and it's still daunting, is a, uh, a church. Mm-hmm. And I don't, I need to set up part of that church. One of the things you need is an altar. 
And I have a, I've had a, basically an idea of what that altar would look like forever, but it's going to realistically take me two weeks to construct it. Right. And that's just a lot of time yes. for a prop that shows up one time yeah. in a 10-minute long short film. Yeah. Um, however, if that film's 20, 25, half an hour long, mm-hmm. and you can come back to it in a scene, yeah, it's a little easier to excuse. Yep. Um, and I do think uh, part of uh, it's one of those interesting counterintuitive behavioral science things that I, I think lengthening films, uh, you know, we, we were doing two short films a year is what it worked out to. Mm-hmm. It would not surprise me if we maintained the same schedule with longer films just because you still have to deal with all of the conceptual hurdles to producing a film it's just longer. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I can totally imagine that not actually taxing us that much more. We may have to film more. We may have to do... Although I can imagine as soon as we lengthen the films, we'll become substantially more tolerant of um, <laughs> weak takes. Yeah. Uh, which will also be fine because we'll theoretically be getting better at it at the same time. Yep. So, And then we can make a bad film and that'll be, uh, that'll be good. Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Now, uh, the other strange thing is... is you know, I had like very, you know, I had very stylized shots, right, that I wanted in this thing. So it's like, but, you know, going back from that and wanting like a more naturalistic kind of camera, right, like where you're like, a, you know, you're not afraid of like the handheldness or you're not specifically blocking or staging each into a highly choreographed sense, right? Like that allows, I think, a lot more time, right? Because, you know, what we've got to do now is like if we want, if we're, Focusing more on the performance, right? Like, then we've got to kind of ease back on, like, the idea of, like, no, it's got to be this person here and that person there and this. Because that was what, like, you know, even though we lost a, a day with film two, right? Like, we, ha- I like, like, of course, like, everything's staged and then it's fucking silent. So, like, actions and, and things happen. Yeah. And then we were like, you know, we got to do, like, fucking t- 14 takes of this thing by the end of the day. Because, yeah. <laughs> like, you know, it was so, you know, a stationary camera where we're all, you know trying to hit beats and, and experiment around with each other and perform around that, like that became really challenging from, from that aspect as well. And if we're like able to have like the camera, I think flow within the action a little bit more then you know, that can kind of allow us to find the style within that too. Cause there's a whole other like visual sense we'll have to kind of like adapt to, you know, if we're going to shoot like an action sequence, right? Like that's going to require movement within the camera and a necessity of like, look, this isn't going to be perfect. Like the blocking's not always going to be great or like the camera will move and, you know, block, you know, one, you know, you know, uh, make it so that one character is invisible for a period of time because another character is blocking them. We've got to move it around, you know, like that shit's going to have to ease up and we're going to have to allow some, some leeway in that sort of stuff. But we're going to find out how much I know. Right. Like that sounds uh, exciting. Yeah. We'll see. I, it, a lot of it is for action shots is going to be uh, figuring out how to do more cuts. It's going to be figuring out how to, because you still, you have to do some amount of blocking. Uh, I mean, part of the reason I assume Jason Bourne is filmed the way that it is, is uh, that's a lot easier than having to do Taekwondo in a room with two people for a persistent set of frames. If you just shake the camera and switch back forth over mm. and over again, that has to be easier to produce. I think um, the first Batman movie is famous for the fact that like um, Michael Keaton couldn't move in the full bat suit. So like so when you watch the action sequences in that, like you've got this very static because they like they actually had to build different bat suits, one where he could move his legs, one where he could move his arms. The other where he would like had more move because he had no movement in his head. Because if you look at the suit, it's like attached here. Connected. It's all one piece. Yeah. 
So he had no neck movement. And so I think if we watch those, we can maybe get some ideas within the cutting of like, um, you know, like, all right, how do we, because <laughs> we don't move well. We're not natural athletes, <laughs> which is like the other way you saw this, like, like you know, with like Wushu or fucking Kung Fu films is like, camera doesn't matter and the cutting doesn't matter because your fucking actors are like fucking acrobats. So like they can do yeah, amazing shit. Yeah, they've like, right. work. Yeah. <laughs> I think John Wick would work because that's what kind of John Wick does too. Like, you know, he has like the weird technical stuff, but like fucking Keanu Reeves is like 56 years old. He's not moving around, you know, like his yeah. shit's pretty static in the way that he moves, which is incredibly impressive because they like, you know, diagram meticulously each move and each camera movement from that, right? Yeah, like, I, I would be interested to see how practice works for that. Yeah, well, those, that's the those other must be yes. intense. That's, that's the thing is that like they've got, they, you know, I'm sure they will fucking re- rehearse. 10 times longer than they, than they actually shoot. And yeah. the movies are still almost three hours long. Yeah. So <laughs> it's very impressive. I mean, the, the scene that I um, am fearing the most of all the scenes that I've got is our Chud scene, mm-hmm. uh, shooting and falling. Uh, not only because uh, Patrick uh, is already uh, wounded, uh, <laughs> but because, <laughs> because conveying that, even if, even if we were to get someone to simply trip off of the deck and fall Mm -hmm. i guess that would work i guess that would maybe be okay as long as we could hide a mattress where they fall stunt doubles camera tricks cost you know costumes like we can we can i'll take a fall that's that's the thing like we're gonna have to maybe figure that out um there's a lot of ways to skin that cat and i um i'm willing to try at least two well and i think the other thing just as an idea is that well you know if we're doing action sequences i think the one lesson that john wick has taught and like apparently this is like becoming standard in a lot of action scenes is that you rehearse with the camera so that everyone's movements are right you know each little thing is we know where the camera's going to be we know and then we can see what it looks like and adjust from there as well because like if we have to do anything where we have to choreograph anything like yeah. Oh my God! Like we don't. We've never choreographed shit. <laughs> we've, we've choreographed a, a money handoff, and we had seven takes on that. You know, mm-hmm. like, look, it was pretty good in the last take. Yeah. No, it was, I mean, we get there, but like, you it know, has a natural slow motion to it. Yeah. It's very good. No, it's <laughs> odd. Like it was like everything. Everything just worked, and when we were looking through it, it's like, God damn, it's getting just weirder and weirder. Like, mm-hmm. it was quite good. And luckily, you have people who are willing to do the same thing over and over and over again. Yeah. Like Until Anna. it looks cool. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not an idea person. I'm a natural follower. But I'm really good at taking directions. I mean, we need uh, several of those people. So thank you for being there. You're welcome. Yeah. Being on, uh, going from stage to doing this has uh, been really great because I'm so used to having to do the final performance correctly the first time. Right. Like you don't get a do-over. And if you mess up, like you say your friend's name instead of their character name, you have to improv and keep going because you can't say, you know, you can't say stop, I need to start yeah. over. Uh, and that happened a lot. Uh, or you fall and you hurt yourself and fracture your ankle, but you still have to go on rollerblades. So <laughs> I think that having to do all that uh which is way more stressful than what we're doing has again, made me excellent at uh, improving whatever you need. Mm-hmm. So there's something alluring about the theatrical, uh, the theatrical method though of having a stage with an audience. Um, this group is probably not compatible with that. 
in any meaningful way, we'd have to find an audience to make that work. Because doing yeah. a live performance to nobody is that that would probably be kind of weird. <laughs> um, we could do it, but I and think, film yeah. it, yeah, <laughs> and just film mm-hmm. it. But uh, it's very rewarding, like knowing that you did like an hour and a half of beginning to end storytelling, and you didn't stop, and you you know maybe messed up, but you figured it out, and then at the end. Like a group of people got to see you do that. That's mm-hmm. yeah. That's pretty great. Yeah, Pen uh, Pen Gillette always talks about his his favorite thing about live performance is that at the end of the night it's over. Yeah, it's done. It doesn't matter what happened. That's that's how it went down. Yeah, and you don't you don't have to think about it again. Yeah, and it's like it's this warm feeling that you get that I didn't get with this film because once we were done. Like it wasn't there was, done. There was editing, and then yeah. there was all this other stuff. And then we watched it, and I was like, oh, that was me. Like, I didn't know who that was. <laughs> like, I was like, whose mouth is that? Oh, that's mine. Yeah. Oh, I was in this. Oh, yeah. that's me. Uh, and so, but it is nice to be able to watch it, which is different than theater. It's mm-hmm. like you get to see it, and it's nice to be able to, like, critique and think, I really did that well. Oh, I'd, I'd like to do this differently next time. Um, so what I liked about you letting me do this is I realized how much I like doing live theater, but also this. Mm-hmm. And there's lots to like about both. And so. And maybe Fiasco splits yeah. the difference. So we ought to give that a shot. Yeah. When we had played Fiasco, was I, I had a Coen Brothers vibe. Is that because we picked... Fiasco as a game was inspired it, by Cohen the Brothers? movie Burn After Reading. Yeah. Okay, it's inspired okay. directly by that film. Uh, it because that's a movie with like five people that are constantly crossing paths in unexpected ways, uh, and it results in like twists and murders. Yeah, and goes gonzo by the end. Like that's it, that that's what they're trying to capture. Which is funny because as you mentioned, Ryan. There's no fucking way Burn After Reading was written that way. Yeah. <laughs> it was written by two of the most meticulous filmmakers around. Yeah. So, um, but it does do a good job of capturing the zaniness of it in a way like, probably much less effort yeah. um, than getting John Malkovich on the phone. But, uh, <laughs> although he's probably good at Fiasco. I could imagine him doing all right. There are a lot of actors that would probably be really bad at that game, which is funny. Yeah. Like, um, was a, there was an interview with Owen Wilson um on uh, rick rubin's new podcast and uh it's very owen wilson doesn't give interviews and to his credit it's because he knows he doesn't have anything to say right so he talks very slowly and deliberately like i mean the guy is char i love seeing owen wilson on screen but it is it's just fascinating how much he can't like he's probably a perfectly good guy in real life but he's Mm anti-charismatic in the moment it's very strange. Yeah. Well, and, and I think too, right? Like it's, I've not seen a lot of films where he's like pushed outside of like the Owen Wilson range of like, right. you know, where he's at. And it's nothing, I mean, I'm not Owen Wilson. I can't, you know, like, it's, yeah. Yeah, and like you said, I fucking like Owen Wilson in a lot of things that I've seen him in, right? Like He's a character actor. Oh, and, and the yeah. character is Owen Wilson. Yeah. yeah. But like, but, like the, but also it's comedy. I don't want to undersell the fucking, the comedic aspects of his, of his ability, his talent also is like, just I think off the charts like fucking Wedding Crashers is just a, a good time like and, you know <laughs> he is so good in that movie and he, but like 
it's it's also strange too because you know you don't want to be like a chameleon or something like that, right? Like oh, just totally embody something that's outside of any outside of anything you would do naturalistically. Like there's I don't know many actors that like take on that kind of a challenge. Yeah, that you fits know. with my thesis that no one acts. Yeah, exactly. Like, there's, yeah. there's yeah. basically no one can do that. Mm-hmm. Like Daniel Day Lewis. Um... Yeah, we're having. I'm having oh, yeah, 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 that's yeah. Fine. yeah, like he can do it. Well, yeah. You know, but I'd say like Anthony Hopkins can do that as well. Like he's like embodied. I think very, you know, a very extreme archetype of characterizations that like I don't think is like within his wheelhouse. And then I mean, mm-hmm. but also too like you know part of what belies that is that like he's also like incredibly charismatic. And, you know, like if you uh, if you have a kind of ease of charisma, which Owen Wilson, like you said, just doesn't have. Yeah. Right. Like that allows you to kind of range out a little bit. But yeah. Yeah. It's got to be scary to know that you are successful when you have a script and you're in a movie. Uh, but then you're out in the world and you just have to react to what people are saying. And you're not used to that. Yeah. That sounds really uh, fucking terrifying. Yeah. I don't know, because I guess Tom Hardy would be God, someone that's else's. That's the name a, I was yeah. trying Tom to come up with. God damn it. No. Is that what you're trying to think yeah, of? Yeah, there was literally, I, I, I kept saw thinking that. Ricky Tarr over yeah, and Ricky over Tarr, again. Yeah, no. <laughs> no, Tom, Hardy, Tom Hardy's another one of the chameleons. Yeah. He can do, I, I, he is one of the only actors, Gene Hackman, I guess, also fits into this, where mm-hmm. he's been in a role and I didn't realize it was him. Yeah. Um, which I'm, you know, I... I I tend to be very good. It's the way that I basically see the world is through body language. I've realized this when I like can't see people in the distance. Like I recognize them by how they walk. Mm-hmm. And Tom yeah. Hardy and Daniel Day Lewis are two of the only actors I see on screen where I can't identify them by their gait. Yeah. Um, and like their general carriage. Gary Oldman is like that for me. Yeah. He's, he's pretty good too. Yeah. yeah. Gary Oldman is one of my favorite people to realize I didn't know it was Gary Oldman. Yeah, he'll lose. Yeah, I yeah love he'll that. lose himself at. Yeah, 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 he'll lose himself in that. Yeah, and that's a body language thing, which is hard to fake. Mm-hmm. Like that stuff is yeah. clearly tough to do. Um, like it's it's hard enough to put on an accent. It's way harder to control the way that you like because these these aren't these aren't like I, I said gate, but that wasn't even the word I was looking for. It's literally like the micro expressions of your shoulders How you and the way yourself? like you, the way your head leans and that kind of stuff. I haven't been able to break that. Like my, the biggest critique I got from my drama teacher was, I need you to stop moving like Anna. Mm-hmm. Cause she's like, I love your tone and I like your face, but I don't like your, like how you're moving mm-hmm. because yeah. you're moving like you. And I want you to move like, you know, and then however she would that's, that's want me to so do it. That's so much to control. But it's like, so, so. I, I got two out of the three. It's like I got my tone and how I was delivering the lines and I got my face under control, which is, you know, if you know me, my <laughs> face is, it's unhinged. But like having to also control your body and specifically my hands, that was like a big thing for me for like three plays that I had done was I kept doing my hands a certain way. And I was like, I don't think I can think about all of those things. So for someone to be able to move and speak and do all of those things in a way that makes you not look like yourself. That's, I, that's impressive. Where, <laughs> that's where the method has to come in because there's yeah. like, you, you have to hit a point of subconscious evolution to be able to handle all that at the same time in a play. I could see you could, you could kind of get away with it because you're being a bit theatrical <laughs> to use the word. 
It, you have to be big because yeah, yeah. It, it, it's people limited. are all the way in the back. Yeah, exactly. You have to be big. You have to move your face in a big way. You have to speak loudly. You have to move in a certain way. Which simplifies things at least a little bit. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But then when you're doing all of that, but then someone says, but I want you to do it differently. <laughs> I'm like, I can't. I don't know what that means. Uh, so I think that that's what's nice about film is you can just focus on one part of like what you want me to do and then that helps me channel all of my energy on that yep. so. so yeah i was looking up um the so the there's this um polish school of acting oh. um where the idea is that like you know characters mimic their inner state through their their through their outer state right like you have like a very um, very clear picture of what someone is feeling and when you start initially just by just trying to like first get the physicality of what that would look like and then the philosophy or the idea is that like everything just gets tuned up to this so like there is no kind of like res reservation everyone's acting is just incredibly present and on the screen and like pushed to extremes and so yeah. like you know it looks very like jarring and unnatural to us right but like the, you know, once again, like viewing it in film or on the stage, right? Like the idea is that like it's supposed to kind of like break down any any like you know preconceptions or anything, right? Like we're not here to read context or subtext, right? Like we're the emotion of the actors through their through their physicality is going to come on forefront, but like yeah. you start there, right? Like it's not like they in a sense if the if I was working with an actor and I and I knew they had to get their like physicality first, like I would first say like all right, this character is you know, rigid and contained and repressed. So like, let's think about physically what would that, how that would manifest in someone. And then like, we would get like, you know, like maybe they're like, every time they sat, they'd like curl up or something like that. And, or, um, you know, if they were around, they'd always be like wrapping themselves around things or something. So like they would like cross their legs and then get the extra little ankle underneath it or something, right? Like, and you just like kind of like experiment out with those kind of ideas. And that's where, you know, I think that it's, you only, but you only need like, the other thing it says is that like, you never need more than like two in any scene. So like, you just like boil it down. Yeah. And then the, you know, if you put yourself into a situation where like, you know, every time someone, you know, if someone is, is, wants to always brace themselves or is worried about like losing themselves, they're always like grap grasping for control of something. And then everything else you do kind of like restricts the core thing you're, you're focused on from there, right? So, like, you know, you don't get any Anna movements if you're like, no, their elbows are always on the table everywhere they go or something yeah. because they're rigid. And suddenly you're like, oh, I can't move my elbows cause, or I can't move my shoulders because my elbows can't move, you know? Like, just got to figure out stuff like that. Like, it's all problem solving. You're like, problem solved. Yeah. yeah. And if you have someone who's, I feel like being more empathetic helps you be a better just actor in general. If you, you know, someone could describe to you how someone would act in whatever scenario but if you don't have the ability to like shut yourself off then it's a lot harder like i i know my brain is good about shutting out what it's like to be me mm -hmm. and, and thinking about what it what it would be like to be someone else yeah. but then turning that into i can physically do it that's where like the work comes in but yeah. if you if you like the people you're around and you have a sense of empathy, you know, improving something is yep. enjoyable. Just keep it simple, right? Yeah. That's all we got to do. Four characters. Yeah. 
No more. Three motivations. Four characters, six actors. That's what we're... <laughs> um, die. Are we, are we running down the end of this conversation? What? I, we can stop it at any time. All right, because I, uh, when I was looking that up, I found... Um, I've got some bad news, guys. Um, oh. Ron DeSantis drops out of presidential race, endorses Trump just now. So he'll be he'll be he'll be back home soon. That, Welcome to the third and last election cast. <laughs> that picture that I that he just that showed guy. me. That little guy. And endorses Trump. Why why do we why do we care who endorses anybody anymore? Yeah. Somebody needs some pudding. Because it's really funny. His distant loss. You know what? That means he's gonna come back home and he's gonna make me do more shit that I don't want to do. I know. As I said, it's bad no. news. It's, <laughs> no, it's bad news. He couldn't even hang till South Carolina. Ryan, who is Tom Keen? Tom Keen is. Oh, um, oh yeah, we, we had a win yeah. here. Yeah. So I live in the. It, we live, you and I yeah. live in the. For now. House District. That is true. <laughs> <laughs> House District 35. So we had a special election because Ugh. the guy that was in our district um, got a job running a university I'd never heard of, like Southern Florida Technical College. I don't know, something like that. So he got promoted, if you will, to that job, and he left a vacant seat. And then we elected Tom Keene in the classic uh, Democrats are scrambling, let's run a fucking veteran, yep. uh, you know, model. And uh, he won by like 500 votes. So that's not a lot. And no, our votes might have actually mattered in that. So. I voted. Yeah, I did Aww. too. Because fuck those people. Like, um, I used a mail-in ballot, so it was probably fraud. Oh, yeah, probably didn't, cat, yeah, yeah. probably didn't even count. I went in and voted in person, so I got to slide it through the uh, shredder, I mean the uh, the scanner. So <laughs> Give them a firm handshake. Yeah. <laughs> Did you go to Discovery Middle School? No, we go to... I saw to, a lot of signs. We go to the Presbyterian Church by our house. Oh, okay. Woodbury. And uh, I want my parents. We all voted together. It was very nice. Grabbed some tacos because it was a Tuesday, so... Oh, that's where uh, Chris got married, at the Presbyterian Church off Woodbury. Yeah, that's where I vote. Voted. I went to the mailbox, nice. filled it out, went back to sleep. Saluting the whole time. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. <laughs> Two hands. <laughs> so It was I mean, a short ballot. Yeah, it was nice. I was the easiest time I had voting. It took me about nine times longer to drive there than it did to actually vote. <laughs> so. and to fill it in, had to pick a pen, <sighs> had to sign the thing, yeah. make sure it looked vaguely like my... I had to forge my own signature so it looked oh. correct. What pen did you use? Uh, I used one of the pilots. I went with a standard Good. G2. Yeah. G2. Excellent. Excellent choice. A standard G2. Yeah. Okay. No, that's a fine pen. Nice. You don't want something unexpected on the ballot because they might throw a fit. I don't know if they've cleared the, the Sharpie pens yet, so I can't. I I do love those. They are the best pens. Around. That is, I that love was, the Sharpie pen I was a lot. surprised how fluid those fucking things are. It's, it is, they're beautiful. I, I love that there is somehow in 2023, which I think is the year they first, the first year I was aware of them in the market, mm-hmm. they showed up at Costco. Um, I love the idea of a company as state. It's like 3M. It's like 3M is just a company that makes products yes. and has and will for the rest of time that like you never actually consider. Like Sharpie is the same way. I mean, a Sharpie is a Sharpie. It's, it's right. a Kleenex. It's a, But even somehow more so, like there's no competitors to. There's mm-hmm. there's competition for Kleenex. I don't, I don't even know if you can buy a permanent marker that is not made by that brand. Yeah. Right. Um, so when they decide... We're getting in the pen game. <laughs> Watch out. Brands are very real. Institutions matter. Uh, con- transaction costs. Yes. That's, I don't know if, Ryan, you're aware of, and it would be 
I, w- I would assume you were lying if you told me that you were aware of the podcast. Uh, uh, the answer is transaction costs. No, I'm not aware of this. No, no. Yeah, it's uh, done by Mike Munger. Okay. Uh, he's a Duke University professor. I think he's a George Mason emeritus yeah. as well. He's one of the Hoover Institution guys. Yeah. He, uh, he talks to Russ Roberts all the time on yeah, Econ right. Talk. Okay. Uh, one, of the, one of these names we'll catch at some point. <laughs> He runs a podcast called "It's uh, The Answer Is Transaction Costs that he puts out once mm-hmm. a month. And what's nice about him is that he knows what a fucking dork he is. It has the worst theme song you've ever heard. <laughs> it has multi... It, everything is a segment. Oh, very good. Okay. Um, he tells professor-style bad jokes. Excellent. Yeah. Um, I, 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 it has my full recommendation. Okay. It, is, it is outstanding. <laughs> One of the things that's in the theme song is some old guy mm-hmm. saying um, that, um, uh, tra- uh, what is it, uh, in a world with transaction costs, institutions matter. Yeah. And we live in a world with transaction costs, <laughs> which is cut up in a way to fit with the song, which then immediately cuts out. Very good. And it's um, it's great. Yeah. If you need more, uh, if you need more libertarian uh, rationalization in your life, which I always do, I'm I'm always there for it. No, I'm running a little, a little soft on yeah. that game right now. <laughs> he's also he's like every other libertarian from a professorship. Now they've become very apologetic and um, seem a little more uh, oriented toward humanity now than they used to. Because all the ones who weren't became fascists, <laughs> so they have to kind of shore up the uh, the human touch and economics if they're not going to suck get sucked into that whirlpool with desantis and the rest of them so so the sharpie s gels do they they come in a finer point than 0.7 i don't know Uh, i've only seen 0.7 it would not surprise me if the fluidity doesn't work below that because part of what makes that pen so smooth is is that the tip is kind of broad um which i don't care about my handwriting's not precise enough for a 0.5 pen so it's like how tiny it looks. I, I use it for calligraphy, basically. That's how I handwrite. So, what are they going for on Amazon? A uh, box of twelve is sixteen dollars. A bargain at any price. Absolutely. Well, no, you save twenty one forty two, fifty seven percent. Yeah. What's the box look like? Take a look at. Oh, these are the point five roller. And we're getting the roller ones, Rollers? Right? I don't think the ones oh, yeah. I have um, are rollers. I, those and then the, um, yeah, the thicker help, ones. Help me out on, here, David. Uh, we're on my wish list, my classroom wish list. No, I might have to look into those. Yeah, but those, are the, those aren't the S-gel, though, right? That's what no. See, this is how they get you. Yeah. Look, again, I can trust Sharpie as a brand. They're one of the ones. They're one of the good ones left. Okay. I might have to just do it. One of the good ones. One of the good. I like it. I'm looking around this room right now. I'm kind of on the outs with Expo. A lot of these markers are not holding up the way they should. What other brands we got in here? Expo is the best dry erase. It is, but it's still there. There could be. There could be. I'm trying to come up with a car brand that would be equivalent to this. There's no Volvo of Expos. No, I just keep my um, expos upside down to get the most out of the ink. Okay, they do have the S gel point. That's all 5. I do. Yeah, got Sorry, okay. Oh, in point five. Yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah. yeah. Right. I might That's... need to be making some pen purchases then. I need to. Yeah, because the S gel is where it's at, right? That's what. Those are the ones that I've got. There. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, those are the. Okay. Yeah. Monoprice is all right. Ryan, what are your favorite brands? I like the Pentec um, Fine Point. Uh, those are my those are my jabbies. 
fucking Expo is the only dry erase marker as far as I'm concerned. Both it is. in terms of felt integrity, uh, 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 distribution of the... Ink. The ink, yeah, the ink, yeah, um, and then survivability and um, an actual amount of juice in the, yes. in the tube. Uh, clearly, by far and away, the only uh, dry erase marker that one needs to have. So, yeah, the felt tip part for me, I've had a lot of off-brand dry erase markers, and then the felt splits, and then you, when you're writing, you get that weird trail oh. that happens, like hey, just burn your board yeah okay. it makes me so bad so yeah my, i my, hate my, it my preferred pen i got the full title here is the uh pilot precise v5 capped ink rolling ball pens extra fine point yeah oh. i think we got a set of those yeah, over there. yeah for me when i'm making a poster or i'm grading papers it's mr sketch mr sketch mr sketch has the lovely slant of the expo so even if your handwriting is bad, as long as you use the chisel tip the right way, it makes letters look really good. Yeah. Um, but Expo doesn't glide nicely on paper because uh, the kind of ink. But Mr. Sketch has the right chisel tip for making posters and for grading. That's my favorite. So I did get fountain pens, which because um, I take a lot of notes and... The rollerballs, I love the Sharpies and I need, you know, you need them to like do stuff with because they're like, but like the fountain pens that I got. Um, so writing with a fountain pen is very strange. Uh, you know, you have to be more, you have to be more meticulous when you pick it up and start writing. Yeah. But the friction to get the ink on the page is much like, you can, you can write more deftly with it. Oh. And that's what the S gels are good for, right? You don't have to press. Like yeah. you, you just move quick and fountain pens, like once you get like the feel of the pen down, like it's you can you can write quicker, There's faster, no yeah, and then and then your it's awesome your hand because I'm getting old and like my my, my, <laughs> my joints, David, my joints, <laughs> but like yeah, the fountain pens are just soup, they're breezy to write with, and uh, and uh, yeah, I like those breezy, I like that, yeah. Small rigs, another good brand. Got some lights from them. Got a little camera cage. Camera stuff's been pretty good. Getting back to that topic. It's it is very embarrassing how good all the tech we use is. Yeah, we got uh, you got choice shit, man. Pr- proportionate to the quality you do your of research. what we're what we're filming. <laughs> yeah. There are a lot of there are a lot of people that'd be very upset about the stuff. Although it is weird cuz like if you had any actual budget, you could get a camera like the one that we have. It's not like it's a, it's a Lumix S5. It's like $2000. Yeah. Which is not no money, but it's it's no money. That's not like that's an irrelevant amount of cash. Yeah, and it puts out a film quality. I've watched a lot of movies that look substantially worse. Yes, than what you get out of that camera. Um, so no one really has any excuse anymore. No, like, there's no like you should be out there making good. It was actually. Um, I'm sure I stole it from somewhere because it seems it seems like too profound a thing. It's like bad video is maybe the fastest communication medium on earth and good video yeah. is the slowest. <laughs> like farting out just a thing to convey a thought is so easy. Literally everyone, almost everyone on earth does it every day now. Right, yeah. Um, and then it takes thousands of times longer to do it any better than the absolute bare minimum. The second you yeah. care about it, it's over. Yeah. Um, which is funny. 
But you can still use the camera that way if you really want to. Mm-hmm. I think you can probably export that stuff to a uh, to a stream. Would you ever do streams? I uh, I no, uh, no. okay. I, I don't good. like being live. You I, know? I agree. Like I just I I'm, uh, that's not my problem. But yes, I, I'm glad we're on the same page at least in consequence. It's it is it. So, <laughs> um, the the thing with the problem with the model is that like you have to like be around and also the thing I find just uh, like completely irritated with streaming, right? Is that like one, you know, like the ability to pause is underrated (laughs) so much (laughs) in the world. Um, If you had the ability, why would you not, why would you constrain yourself? And then, right? Like streaming alone, right? Like you're either like, you know, the only way to like have any fun with it would be is, you know, if the point is the interaction, I think, and then, like, the the weirdness of, like, interacting with a chat, like, because otherwise you're just doing radio. Like, it, it, like streaming is a solitary business with a fucking comment section. Like, that's yep. what streaming is. And that's not, like, who, who, who wants to do that <laughs> if it wasn't for, like, money or narcissism or both? Those those are the two things you get back. Yeah. Those are the two rewards. I, I just have... I have such a hard time even being charitable about streaming, given the way that streaming websites, all of the primary streaming websites are constructed. I mean, they're built like attention engines. Yeah. When I log into Twitch, there's a sidebar indicating a bunch of channels that I might want to watch based on my interests. And they tell me how many people are currently viewing mm-hmm. those streams. Yes. So at every moment, I am being bombarded by a popularity contest. Yes. And that sidebar does not go away unless I believe you have to put a Twitch video in full screen before it disappears. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, they are begging you to just jump around. Yeah. Um, which is horrible. Like, that's a terrible way to interact with anything. Yeah. Um, not since Twitter. Um, but, like... Uh, yeah, there's something like I can imagine there the magic of streaming back in the giant bomb era when they first started doing it because it basically didn't exist. Yeah. At that point, it was basically like it was the offshoot of the internet turning into television was the uh, the 2009 era of giant bomb where they would they would stream video games. They were literally basically the first people to do it at any scale. Mm-hmm. Um but they loved technical difficulties. mm mm-hmm. Mhm. Um, and that was mostly what they were dealing with because they didn't have uh, streaming equipment. They had actual like mechanical devices providing all of the. Uh, I guess they weren't mechanical necessarily, but everything was fucking broken all the time because right. none of it, it was all because <laughs> they had to buy things that were not. They didn't have a a two hundred thousand dollar budget like an actual news studio would have. They had to settle for whatever other stuff right. other people are offloading and then hope they could figure out how it worked. And usually they did, but frequently they didn't. And that was fun. Yeah. And that's all gone. No. Like all the magic of that has been completely ironed out. Well, it's it's just weird. Like why would why do I want to be around someone for seven hours who's having a distracted conversation? You know, like because nobody's <laughs> concentrating on a conversation when you're trying to play a video game. Theoretically try play to try to play a video game well, right? And then like you know, like, all right, in this game, uh, you know, thanks, David, for the six month sub, uh, subscription. 
<laughs> comment. Hey, uh, have you ever seen uh, such and such uh, going on in this game before? Uh, yeah, no, no, I've never seen that before. This that's uh, it's an interesting point we've got going on here. Uh, you know, just um, a nightmare. No, it's 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 absurd. Like I, 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 and that's if they choose to react at all, which yeah. they yeah. frequently don't. Yes. Um, which that ought you know, I, is the legal landscape thick with uh, bad actors at the top? Yes. That should be illegal. Yeah. I don't. I don't see any reason why companies should allow like you to just play their game and yeah. not provide substantive commentary while yep. you're doing it. Like that's that's highly exploitative. No, and I just like oh, and then the and then you know practically just having to like beg for people's attention and like the, the yeah, like subs and gifts ugh. and it is fucking bits or disgusting. whatever. Yeah, no, it's it's. <laughs> it's no, there's a there's a I think there's just a there's a a particular slice of humanity that this is for, and I think there's a hard fucking ceiling on that. Like, yeah. it, once it distributes enough, there will be there. It's not like it will grow anything beyond that. Like, just cross your fingers. I hope so. Yeah, it is. God, not that there aren't good streams out there, but the margins are thin. Yeah, because. I, the only thing I can because it, incent- it incentivizes all the wrong things. Yeah, I can see too. Like, oh, this person is incredibly good at this game. Like, and I like this game. I might want to watch this person play this game. Well, one see- of the good streams yeah. is not on Twitch. Is Awesome Games Done Quick, which yeah. is going on right now. The the winter. I don't know what the winter version of it is called, but that's that's one of the good uses of streams. Yeah. Is it's a live event of people breaking the shit out of a game, yeah. which is a transformative use of that game. It's mm-hmm. not just playing Fortnite yeah. for yeah. twelve fucking hours. I think that that's. Are you talking about like speed running something yep. like you? Yeah, that's, okay. that's what I, that's AGDQ that's going on right now. That's okay, because today before I came over here, Patrick was, uh, I heard Pokemon sounds yeah. and he was watching a guy speed run. He usually doesn't watch stuff like that, but he watched a guy like do Pokemon in an hour. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's what that is. That's what that is. That's yeah. okay. it's one of the only good uses of streaming that I'm aware of. At least as it intersects with yeah. video. Yeah. Okay. No, like so, like when I was trying to like get better at World of Warships, right? Like I'd watch a streamer to play World of Warships, right? Like, yeah. just yeah, no, like all right, I now understand this game better by doing that. Totally fine. Like I get that, but like I'm like, philosophically opposed to it, but I respect your choice. To yeah, do no, it. I look, I, I need help. I need all the help <laughs> I can get in the world. I'm, I'm congenitally <laughs> incapable of being taught. Yeah. So. <laughs> So, but no, I mean, uh, the, but it, it is very clear that like people like either fall or have like strong affinity for the personalities that people put on, like the, the sure, like ninja person or whatever. Or like, they're hot. Yeah. Oh, that's okay. Yeah, we're not leaving out the sexual aside. I did. I did turn off my age restrictions. You're leaving on off half the population. Yeah, <laughs> so I've, I've slowly come around to that world of things. So, yeah, the internet finally thinks I'm older than eighteen, and they're like, you know, like, <laughs> you're not horny enough, buddy. Like. Which, to be clear, the half for the two people listening to this that don't know me is not a sexist reference. Hassan is also hot. Um, this is <laughs> the, the fifty percent split is not along gender lines. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, it's that half of Twitch streamers are popular because people like physically looking at them. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and that's TV and that's movies. So you know that's no fault of theirs. Uh, the people like looking at pretty people. Mm-hmm. There's the entire uh, fur community of streamers uh, capitalizes on that by having avatars yeah. instead of themselves on screen. Yep. Um, they uh, they purchase uh, dearly expensive animated versions of themselves uh, that have face tracking and the rest of it. 
That's impressive. Uh, yeah, I don't know why they don't. I, I don't know what the point of the game is at that point. I don't know why you wouldn't just like kind of be on stream. I guess it's to give you something to do as the streamer. Yeah. Um, so you're not just staring into the camera. Um, that's kind of stupid. I wonder if that's. Uh, hmm. Well, the other thing. Uh, that's even more depressing now that I think about yeah. it. Oh. That that might be working. That it's literally they're playing a game, so they have something to do. Yes. No. That. Yeah. No. Fuck. Oh, sad. I don't like that at all. No. That's upsetting. Yeah, we're spiraling here. Ooh. Um, <laughs> we can make a movie, write a Oof. script. Oh, no. Call it a tragedy. Call it a tragedy. That feels bad. <laughs> Fuck, that's, that's, that's true. Yeah. That is true. Yeah. That's not for the audience. That's for... God, okay. Uh, Anna, uh, Ryan, thanks yes. for being part of the machination log. I have to... Thank you I, for having I us. To, I need to lie down. Yeah. <laughs> On that bombshell. All right. <laughs> well, at least we concluded something. Um, but yeah, no. Uh, it's another Sunday brunch successful. Ryan won his game of 2030. Oh, the Imperial 2030. Uh, thank you for... That was an indulgence. I always appreciate it. And as I said before, this is probably like the second time I've won the game out of like the 10, 12 times. It is still my favorite game. It is not about winning. Uh, it's just a happy byproduct this time. So, uh, An apt swan song. Yep. Since uh, You'll probably still show up on this podcast about as frequently since I assume you'll be down. Yes. Although I guess it depends. Are you? Uh, does Sunday brunch make any sense for the way that you're going to show up? Uh, probably not because uh, that will limit me to maybe I was like maybe I could prioritize like one weekend a month. Like down. I mean, so. that's 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 fine. Yeah. If if that's all we get, that's all we get. Yep. I just yeah. Is there another? Yeah. I ex- I assume you'll be showing up on weekends for the most part. Uh no, I'll be I'll probably during the week. I might have like two or three days in town every couple of weeks or something. So oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Weekdays. All right, well, never mind. Let's, yeah. let's just flip everything around. Yeah. That's weekends fine. would have to be intentional. Like I'm coming to Orlando for the weekend. Okay. Yeah. Work stuff is like you know like if I need to be here two three connected days, that'll happen when it happens. That's, all right. That's no, the shit right. I don't have control over, but will happen. Yeah. I oh, mean, okay. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I picked Sunday brunch just because it seemed like the right place to develop a routine. But I mean, if we have to move it, that's fine. Yep. So. And if I can spend the night over here in the in the spare room or something, that'd be even better. <laughs> yep. no, there's plenty of places to do that around here. And are those kids still learning? Yeah. Well, for sure. Yeah. Right. Unfortunately, oh, yeah. less so since homeboy's back in town. So. I'm I'm gonna have to teach them as much as I can before DeSantis <laughs> does something. To keep me from doing that. So. Well, I'm going to cram it in. $130 million campaign. Ew. $130 million. That's true. In one year. I can't. In one year? Yeah. Oh. That's how long his campaign lasted. Okay. Not even that, because he didn't even announce. That upsets me. Until, oh, As much shit. as that's... whatever happened to you over there. That's With that's your... fair. Oh. I mean, what I, the revelation I had. Oh. Is only making me think worse of something that was I already despised. So oh, okay, it doesn't affect my like career or anything. So you you this you this should, affects yeah. me personally. Yeah, <laughs> on a very personal level. Oh, he's gonna be he's gonna be all sad and pissy. Just come back and start signing shit. Well, he's gonna be out of office soon anyway, right? Uh, not soon enough. He still gets another two, three election, three uh, three. Three legislative sessions, including this one. What? Oh, I thought what? it was that sooner. No, he just got reelected a year ago. 2020, yeah. 2023. He's got a lot of time. Oh, my God. No, 2022. First year, 23. Second yeah. year, 24. Next year, 25. I've... Lame duck, 26. Yeah. 
Well, that's awesome. Oh boy. I'm gonna have to. I'm gonna have to read a lot of gay books between now and then. Yep. The gayer, the better. The gay, yeah. That's my philosophy. <laughs> that, that's basically Anna's motto. <laughs> yeah. yeah. All right. Um, uh, and on that note. Yeah, I'm gonna go take a nap. All right. Yeah. Good night, everyone. Good night. <laughs>